So glad that you are here. We welcome you if you're listening online. We're so glad you're here and listening. We invite you to come join us in person if you're ever in our area. We'd love to meet you. It's one thing to experience online, but it's on a whole another level to watch and to be here in the house in person. So we invite you to be our guest today. I'm going to ask you the question, do you have heart? Do you have heart? I didn't say, do you have a heart? I said, do you have heart? We'll get back to that question in just a second. Let me just tell you, the hard times are nothing new. Every generation goes through their, their difficulties. Every generation goes through their times of hardship, their trials. They go through the hard, hard times. Every generation goes through recession. Every generation goes through lack. Every generation goes through their difficult season. Every generation goes through the political divide. Every generation goes through things that didn't see coming. Uh, we've, we've had our share the last three years. How many say we've had our nut for a while? Yeah, we've, we can all agree upon that. But what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes we, we get disheartened. You know, we lose heart. We get discouraged. You know, the economy is not doing well, and this is happening. And this is when we start looking for doom and gloom in the future. We're already, as I talk to people, we're already predicting what's going to happen over the next six months of the year. And it, most of it's not good. If I hear people talking. You know, but I'm here to tell you, if you serve Jesus, you have a different outlook that you have to take heart today. You got to be willing to take heart today that God is destined in your heart to take heart. Look what Jesus said in John 16, 33. Let me encourage you with these words. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have what? Trouble. Let's say it together. In this world, you will have it shouldn't be a shock to any of us when we have trouble in this world. Jesus said, yeah, you're going to have some trouble in this world. But look what he says, but take heart. Take heart. He wants you and I to take heart. I have overcome the world. And then, of course, we know Scripture says, greater is he that is inside of me than he that is in the world. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. Today, he says, I want you to take heart. What's that mean? That means today he wants you to have some spiritual tenacity. He wants you to have some spiritual grit, some determination. He wants you to hang on and not let go. Have some heart. Take heart. Would he ask you to take heart if he didn't believe you could do it? The reason why he tells us to take heart is inside of us he has placed the in every believer ability to take heart, to hold heart. Nobody showed more heart than the Apostle Paul. I mean, this guy went through shipwrecks. He went through, being, went through all these persecutions. He was beaten. He was flogged. He, he was taken and put in prison. I mean, he went through it. He was always going through it. By the time he gave his life to Christ, he was continually going through something big and major. And this is what he says in Philippians 3.14. I press on. Not I give up, not I'm going to quit, but he says, I press on. In every hardship, I press on. When I, I face a storm, I press on. When I face trouble, I press on. When things get hard in my family, I press on. Why? To the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What we do what do we do when we take heart? That means you're not going to let go. Take heart. Have some heart. Ha ha have some heart. You know, there's, there's something about 
that word, have some heart. It's, it's a word we use, I think coaches use it a lot. We hear a lot of, in the coaching world, you hear a lot of people talk about, I want some players with some heart. I would rather have some players with heart than some of the people who think they have all the ability in the world, but they don't have any heart. When the going gets tough, these people quit. When you got to train hard, these people stop. When these people, you know, I want some players with some heart. What's that mean? I mean they got some grit about them. They get in there and they don't, they don't let go. They, they get a little nasty if they have to, but they say, I'm not going to let go of God. I'm getting a hold of this thing and I'm taking a heart today. I'm not going to let go. See, listen, what does take heart mean? Let me give you a working definition to help you. It means a God-given ability to step out and to press on. It's what it is. It's a God-given, okay? It's not just what you have inside of you. It's what God has placed inside of every believer, the God-given ability. He wouldn't have said take heart if he hasn't put the ability in your life, the spirit of spiritual grit and tenacity. He wouldn't tell you to take heart if he didn't put that spirit inside of you. The reason why he's saying he's calling out of you what God has already placed in you. God is calling you out and says, I want you to take heart. Through every difficult situation, I want you to take heart. There's been multiple studies of people who have gone on to succeed, whether it's in the sports world, whether it's in political, whether it's in business, whether it's in a job, I mean, education. And we go through and we study. There's a common thread they found with the people who seem to be achievers, who overachieved, who went on and had success. And the common thread was this. They all had this grit, this determination, they had this heart about them that would not stop. Even when they failed, they kept going after it and would not let it go. And I believe today that's what God is looking for. He doesn't want any spiritual wimps that every time it gets rough, you're going to run and hide. But he wants people that says, no matter what I'm facing today, I know where my anchor is. I know where my goal is. And today I keep my eyes upon Jesus. Yeah, times get tough when we all go through them. But he says, I want you to succeed. I want you to have some grit. I want you to have some spiritual determination. Step up, step out, and stick it out. Step out of the boat and go for it. God has placed inside the heart of every believer this God-given heart. And not just a heart for compassion, not just a heart to love others, but a heart that says, I'm not going to give up when the going gets tough. I'm not going to give up when my prayers aren't answered the way I think they should. I'm not going to give up when I hear bad news. I'm not going to give up when bad things happen to me. I know that this world is not my home. I take heart and I hold on and I press to the prize. It's up to you. God has placed it inside of you but it's up to you to activate it. The spirit to take heart, that determination is inside of all of us. It's there. Whether you believe it's there or not, I promise you, God has placed it inside of you, but you must activate it. You must say, I'm, I'm going to spiritually, God, begin to activate in my life. Let's dive into this incredible story. I, I love this story of Jesus. He just fed 5,000, and now he tells his disciples to get into the boat. Let's read it in Matthew 14, 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted. He insisted. Do you hear this? Okay. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat, cross over to the other side of the lake. While he stayed there, he sent the people home, 
After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. Sounds like us. His disciples were in trouble, far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, always in the darkest hour, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. It's what he said. Take courage. Take heart. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out of this boat and to walk on the water. Jesus said, yes, come on, Pete, you can do it. So Peter got out, went over the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. Now, I love this. If you want to listen, if you want to ask God to do something, be careful what you ask for. Can you imagine Pete? All right, Jesus, that's really you. Ask me to get out of the boat and walk towards you. Sure, Pete, come on. Uh, 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 I didn't think you were serious, God. Uh, you know, I'm sure he probably said part of Pete because he was always just shooting off his mouth really fast. Part of him was like, I saw these guys, yay. And then when Jesus said, come, I'm sure he was like, wait a minute. I'm sure there was a lot of fear that instantly took over his mind and his body. Listen, if, if you want to take heart, you got to, number one, write this down. You got to you take heart and learn to take heart. It's the boldness to get out of your comfort zone. What is heart? It's the boldness to step out of your boat and to get out of your comfort zone. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you won't face storms. People love Jesus as long as he's feeding them. I mean, he had just fed the 5,000. Talk about comfort food, fish and chips for 5,000 men. That's not including all the women and children. He fed all of them as much as they wanted to eat, so much that they had 12 big baskets left over. I mean, everybody loves Jesus then. Oh, this is a great meal, Jeff. Thank you. You provide. Thank you for the blessing. Everybody loves Jesus when he's blessing. But wait till he sends you in the middle of a storm by yourself in a boat. Then he says, get out of the boat. You're like, whoa. I don't know about that, Jesus. I don't know if I can step out of the boat. Everybody loves Jesus until he asks you to step out of the boat. And then it separates the men from the boys. It separates the ladies from the girls. Who's going to have the tenacity? Who's going to have the spiritual grit to step out of the boat? Did Jesus know they would face a storm? That's the question I want to ask. Did Jesus know they were going to face a storm? Do you think he was surprised? Hey, get the boat. Oh, man, there's a storm. I didn't see the storm coming. No, could I tell you by the story we read that on purpose, Jesus sent them to the storm on purpose. He meant to send them there. Why? Because Jesus wanted to stretch his disciples. He wanted to grow them. In order for them to grow, he was like, all right, you're going to have to go with this boat alone. You're going to, this time I want you to go alone. This time you're going to face the storm alone. Let's see how you act. Let's see what happens. And they were greatly afraid. See, sometimes 
God calms the storm. Look at it. Sometimes he calms the storm. and Sometimes he calms us through the storm. Either way, we're good. Sometimes he chooses to calm the circumstance around you. Other times, and most of the time in my experience, he chooses to calm the person in the middle of the storm. Have you ever met somebody who's going through the biggest storm in their life and they're at peace with Jesus? I'm telling you, Jesus can do a work in your life that any storm you face, you can walk with calm spirit. You can walk not afraid, even though you may be shaken, even though your boat may be a rock. And I'm telling you, God is there. The waves are getting high. God is there. And in the middle of your darkest hour at three o'clock in the morning, when you think you are alone, you are never alone. It's like that mom who let their child walk to school for the first time. The child thinks she's walking to school. She, she thinks that the boy thinks he's walking to school alone. But he don't know mama or dad's following along in the car. This is far enough they can't see. Watching, making sure. But there, you may not see them, but they're there. And I'm here to tell you today that God is wanting to tell you this. I got a word for you today. Can I tell you this word? This word is this, comfort is overrated. I know you love me for that one, don't you? We, we people of comfort. We love comfort. We want to eat at the same restaurant. We want to sit in the same chair. We want to watch the same show. We, some of you would wear the same clothes for 20 years if your spouse would let you. Some of you ladies, you need to get rid of those pajamas. You've been hiding them way too long. But these are my comfy clothes. This is what I fold the laundry in. Listen, I'm telling you, we're people of comfort. We're getting a routine. We like our routines, don't we? But let me tell you, comfort is overrated. Nobody grows in their comfort zone. See, it's oftentimes it's a storm that produces change in our life. It's the most difficult season. If I didn't have a struggle in my marriage, my marriage may have never changed. If I didn't have that struggle with my children, our relationship would never, they would never change. I would have never change. If I didn't go through that financial struggle, I never would have changed some things in my life. If I hadn't lost my job, I never would have started the new job. I never would have started my own business. I mean, storms begin to produce change in our life and they don't happen in our comfort zone. God doesn't want you to play it safe. He doesn't want you to live in your life in the comfort zone all your life. There's times he asks you to get out of the boat. Sometimes God asks you to step out. I love this quote. Look at this quote by T. Harv Ecker. He says, nobody ever died of discomfort. You hear that? Yet living in the name of comfort has killed more ideas, more opportunities, more actions, and more growth than everything else combined. Isn't that so true? Comfort keeps us from taking risk. Comfort teaches us that we don't have to rely on God. I'll just stay here and do my thing. So there's no wonder sometimes God's got to push us out into the storm alone because we get too comfortable. God doesn't want you living your life depending upon your own comfort, upon your own ability. He says, I want you depending upon me. God, in you I live and I breathe. In you I move and have my being. In you, God, I am blessed. Without you, I am nothing. And God pushes us into a place where we must depend on him. There is something deeper. There is something greater that God wants to bring out of you. 
You may be happy where you're at, but it doesn't mean God is happy where you're at. Just because I'm happy doesn't mean God's happy. Let me put it to you another way. Our kids are happy to play video games and stay on their phone all day long. But there comes a time when summer's over. There comes a time when they're of age to get a J-O-B. I know, kids. I want to scare you. And as her dad, I got to say, you're going to get a job. Why? Because I've got to grow them out of their comfort zone and prepare them for growth of leaving the house and prepare them to support their own family someday. And so I've got to push them to mature. If I let them stay comfortable, they would never, ever get a job. They would never, ever take over the car payment. They would never, ever take over insurance. And mom and dad, you stay home broke, disgusted. I ain't got no money to do anything because your kids are getting all your money. Come on now, we got to live a little bit, honey. Been married almost 30 years. It's time to travel. Let's do some things. Come on now, right? Why? Because I got to get, I got to get them there, right? That's part of parenting. We get them there and they get there like, oh, I like this. Oh, I like independence. I like making money. I like being responsible and it grows them. Uh, but it pushes, we got to push them there. God, listen, there's something greater, deeper God's wanting to do in us. Peter was called, but he wasn't ready. Think about it. Peter was, was Peter ready to walk on water? No. No. But Jesus called him anyway. Come on, Pete, come to me. Come to me. Peter was called, and we don't want to get out there. Eventually, he began to sink. He wasn't quite ready yet. But let me ask you this. Isn't that really where Jesus really wants all of us? We're called, and we're not ready. Exactly. Exactly. That's when I want you to step out of the boat. Well, I'll step out of the boat once I'm ready. You will never be ready to step out of the boat. That's, like, that's about, as, about as dumb as saying, I'll have kids when I'm ready for it. I'll have kids when it's the right time. How I many know there's never a good time? You just jump in. But what I'm telling you is this, is that God called Peter. Peter wasn't ready, but he got out anyway, and he learned something through the process. And that's the way God does in our life. God calls us. He calls us, and he's looking for obedience to step out. Not, well, God, you called me, but as soon as I'm ready, as soon as I'm ready, listen, you'll never be ready. You just got, the preparation comes when you step out of the boat. That's what gets you ready. That's what changes your life. That's what begins to bring produce change in your life. The obedience. Faith is a spiritual muscle. It's got to be exercised. It needs to be used to grow, right? For some of you, what's that look like? Stepping out of the boat, what's it look like? I mean, starting that Bible study at work. I mean, starting that Bible study in your home. That means starting a small group with some friends and discussing the things of God. It means having a prayer circle of friends, a meeting. Maybe God's calling you to lead one of those, to start one with some friends, some family, your neighborhood, your job. Maybe for some of you, it's stepping away from your addiction. 
and saying, God, I'm going forward. I'm going forward in you, God. I'm, I'm leaving the place of comfort, of addiction. For some of you, it's leaving a lifestyle and say, God, I'm leaving what I personally want. And God, I'm going after you. For some of you, it's leaving that group of friends because they're constantly influencing you and bringing you down. And they keep you continuing a place you shouldn't be. So it's the bravery to say, I'm leaving that place, even though it's a place of comfort. I've known them all my life. I've been around them for years. God says, I want you to grow. Step out of that boat. For some of you, it's giving when you're scared. Giving my time when I don't want to give it. I give it. Giving my tithe and offering when a recession hits. I I ain't going to have enough. No, No, you give. Get out of the boat. Give it to the Lord. Trust him. Every area of our life, he's looking. So what should my action be? What should my faith be? Maybe we should make a t-shirt that says, bring on the storm. <laughs> right? Just bring on the storm. I love, I love that scene in Castaway where Tom Hanks, you know, after like seven years, I think, am I right? Some of you movie buffs, after like seven years of being stuck on that island alone, just him and Wilson been talking to that volleyball for seven years. Him and Wilson decide they're going to make it or bust, man. We're going for it. And they build a makeshift raft and they have a sail they make out of an old door that washes up on shore. And they get out there in the middle of the ocean. The storm comes and it blows the sail away and it's tearing his raft away. And he just stands up to the storm and goes, ah! Like, what else you got? This ain't no worse than being stuck back on that island. I can handle it. Bring it on. Uh, sometimes we just kind of be at that point where we're like, you know, we've gone through so many things in our life. You know what? God is my cell. And it was God's behind me. God is for me. God's pushing me. God's pulling me. God's selling me on. I'm going to get through this. I've been through enough to tell you that God is faithful. And if you will step out of the boat and trust him, he will never, ever let you down. He will lead you all the way. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is our comforter. But look at this. But the comforter does his best work outside of our comfort zone. The Holy Spirit is our great comforter. But he does his best work when we get out of the boat. We get out of the boat and let God do something. Let's continue the story now. Let's look at verse 30 of Matthew 14. But when he saw the strong wind, this is Peter... And the waves. Now, first of all, remember, he got out of the boat and started walking on the water. And now he looks around, sees the wind, sees the waves. He gets terrified. He begins to sink. He cries out, Lord, save me. Lord, he shouted loudly. You know, in our life, this is so amazing because it's just the way it happens in our life. Many times we feel like we're alone. God, why have you left me? God, why have you forsaken me? But God's right there. I mean, even sometimes it feels like he shows up at the darkest point in our life. He shows up. He is there. You're not alone. And he's calling out to you. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus and you start looking at your storm in your life, of course you're going to begin to sink. Because then you're saying, oh, 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 
Look what's going to happen. Look what could happen. And your fears take over. But when I look at Jesus, oh, wow. When I look at God and say, God, you are bigger than any storm. God, you are with me no matter what I go through. God, you are still here. God, you are still in control. God, I'm going to win. I've read the book. I'm a winner. I'm already going to win. I'm destined to win. It's already a fixed fight. God, you've already won the battle. Come on now. God, you've already won this war. I can be in a place of rest. And keep my eyes on Jesus, even when I'm sinking. See, we either fully surrender or we sink. Really. And that's a place where he wants all of us. It's not a halfway thing. It's either I'm fully surrendered, my eyes are on Jesus, I'm pressing toward him, or I'm sinking. I'm sinking. There's no in between. So this is why he says, I'm going to push you to full surrender. I'm going to push you to a place. You know what? It's okay to admit you're going through a storm. Listen, be a realist. Yes, the storm's tough. Yes, the waves are big. Yes, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes, I'm going through a tough time. Yes, this is hard. It's okay to be a realist and to admit those things in the middle of the storm. I'm not telling you to ignore the storm. I'm just telling you don't stay there. That your eyes get fixed upon Jesus. That's where your eyes stay fixed upon, upon Jesus. It's okay to, f- to face the facts, but sometimes you got to tell your facts to face your Savior. Sometimes you got to tell your facts how big your God is, right? Take heart. Show some spiritual grit. Quit giving up every time it gets tough. Quit giving up every time something doesn't go your way. If you're listening online, get back to church. It's time to get back to church. You need to be there. Get back. To the church, if you're watching another state, find the church, get it back in. Don't give up because you went through a hard time. It's not the time to isolate. It's the time to gather together, to encourage one another, to look up into heaven. Our redemption is drawing near. Take heart. We take heart. And the second part of this as we wind it down here, we have to have the tenacity to get back up again. Taking heart is when you learn to take heart. When you learn to get back up, you got to have the spiritual grit, tenacity, the heart to get back up again. Look at verses 32 and 33 of the story. So Jesus pulls Peter out, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, let me ask you this question. Did anybody mention Peter? You almost drowned? Peter? What were you thinking? Peter? I can't believe you got halfway and started drowning. Did anybody, did we see any criticism of Peter here? No. What happened was they got back in the boat and everybody began to worship Jesus. Are you following the picture here? Listen, nobody's worried about you beginning to sink. Nobody's worried about that. Everybody wants to worship Jesus. When you go after Jesus, whether you fall, get back up, keep going. No one's ready to point out your failure. We're all saying, get back up. Let's worship Jesus. It's what we do. And by failing, who was the first one to touch Jesus? He may have got out there, but what happened? He he was the first one to touch Jesus. 
by failing, Jesus reached out and picked him up and they got together in the boat. Remember when our kids are first learning to walk? And it's such a big deal. The first, those first steps are such a precious time. Those of you with young children, you know what I'm talking about. And you get those moments. You don't want to miss them as a parent. You want, you want to get them. You know, you, you hope to see them. And, and moms, if you're watching the child and, and he walks and you get home, you're like, Dad, you know, they walked. And you're like, oh, I gotta, Dad's like, I want to see. So Dad gets over here. Mom gets over here. Mom's holding the baby up, you know, and the toddler up. And Dad's over here. Come on. Come to Daddy. Come to Daddy. Come on. Mom, let's go. And the baby smiles. <laughs> Falls down. Dad, did we go over and say, huh, he's got the coordination of his mom. Let's come from his mom's side. Didn't get that from me. I can't believe he didn't take more than two steps. That's pathetic. Dude, come on. What are you, like 10 months now? We don't do that. It's stupid, right? What do we do? Ah! I saw him. My boy ran. He ran. I'm he didn't run. He stumbled going forward. But dad's like, no, he ran. He ran. My boy didn't walk first. He ran first. Look at my girl. Woo! She's so court. Look at that. We're so proud. We applaud. We Stand them up when they fall down and do it again, do it again. This time get three steps. Ah! We're celebrating. I believe this is the way it is with Jesus. He celebrates when we step out of the boat. Even when we stumble forward, even when we fall, he's picking us back up saying, yeah, good job. Don't forget. Peter actually walked on water before he fell. The Bible says he got out of the boat. He began to walk on water just like Jesus. Before he got his eyes upon the waves, he began to sink. At first, he was actually walking on water. Quit giving Pete such a hard time for failing. He actually got out of the boat and walked on water. Wow, what an incredible faith builder for Peter. What an he knows, yeah, keep your eyes on Jesus. I, I, was, I was, dude, dude, I, I imagine that they were back in the, after they worshiped Jesus, that they were all high-fiving. Dude, you were like skiing without skis. You were surfing without a surfboard. That was totally awesome. Dude, you had it. You, I can, you know, you got to teach me how to do that. Oh, nothing, man, nothing, man. Stepping out of faith. Stepping out of faith. We got to grow. We got to grow. We got to grow. It just, it just step out. It takes one step at a time. Step out of the boat. I remember when my son landed when we were in eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade, took him to work out for the first time at the gym. And I was trying to teach him to use some machines, you know, and he was like using things the reverse way, <laughs> you know, they're supposed to be used. Didn't have really have a clue. And I was just teaching, but of course, he'd never been there before. He's learning how to do things the first time. And he made a statement to me. He said, Dad, I'll never be as strong as you. You're right, son. You're not going to be. In my mind, I was laughing because I was like, this boy's going to be three times as strong as his dad. And he is. Why? Because 
You learned. What if I had come to the son? You're right, son. You, look at you. You can't even do this correct. You can't even do this press right. You can't. Look at you. You're weak. Look at you. You can't even do anything. Your dad can't do. Come on. If I'd have done that, it could have crushed him. It could have set him back. But instead, I just encouraged him. What, what, what are you doing to other believers? What are you, what are you, are you encouraging people to, are we making a place where they can step out of the boat? Do we encourage people to take a chance? God does. Jesus calls us out of the boat. He pushes us into the middle of the storm. He's like, go for it. I, I'm here, don't worry. It's fixed. You're not gonna drown, I'm right here. But go for it, go for it, go for it. Step out of the boat. This is what he wants from all of us. Step out of the boat today. Anytime you get out of the boat, I want you to know as your pastor, I applaud you today. Anytime you step out and say, God, I'm trusting you. Anytime you step out and say, I want to join a prayer team. I want to get involved in teaching the children. I want to get out. I want to start a study. I want to get involved in doing something. I want to serve in a VBS. I want to reach children. I applaud you. Step out of the boat. Step out. Don't, don't live your life safe all the time. Take a risk. Surround yourself with people who will encourage you to step out of the boat. They got back to the boat. They all worshiped Jesus. It must have felt so amazing. Peter must have felt so amazing. Listen, don't let your fear keep you in the boat. Don't let your fear keep you from taking a chance. Don't let your addiction keep you from leaving the boat. Don't let other people's opinion keep you from getting out of the boat. Don't let past circumstances keep you from getting out of the boat. God's got me. So I got this. Tenacity. Take heart. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. That you've given in the side, inside the heart of every believer the spirit to take heart. If you're here today, say, Pastor, I need to give my heart first to Jesus. That's where it all starts, right there, in a personal relationship with Jesus. Have you surrendered your heart to Jesus? This is where we get the spiritual tenacity. This is where we get the spiritual grit. It's by, first of all, surrendering our heart to Jesus. Letting him create inside me a new heart. Without anybody looking, we're not going to do anything to single you out. We're not going to embarrass you, I promise you. But if you want to say today, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus and ask him to be Lord of my life today. I'm ready to surrender my life. Without anybody looking, can you just raise your hand where I can see you and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to do that. Thank you. Anybody else today want to join? Thank you. Yeah, I see those hands. Thank you. You're listening online today. Are you ready to accept Jesus? Today's your day. If you raise your hand and you're ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you just to repeat this prayer after me out loud. And as Christians around you, we'll help you say it as well. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you, and I will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we say welcome to the family of God. Amen.